This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of Sea to Sky podcast. I'm sitting here with Jeff Merle, candidate Hello. for Whistler Council. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for having me. You're a you're a new dad. I am. Congratulations. <laughs> and a lot of people say you're crazy to be running for office while your wife's pregnant. What are you? You're just a, you're a masochist? Uh, you know, it's, Glutton for punishment? It's a four-year process being a counselor. So, uh, you know, this is, this is something that's going to happen now. And hopefully we'll, by the time I'm elected, we'll have a better grapple on things. But right, there's, right. there's no time like the present to the, do something. So. Right. You can't, uh, you got to do it now. Now, I know the reason you are running is because you do feel there's some urgency because you're, you're a finance guy. You're a numbers guy. You're an accountant by training, I understand. Correct. Yes. Okay. And what concerns you about the numbers here in Whistler? Uh, well, I know there's a lot of projects that people have been voicing their concerns about. I like to know the numbers. I like to know uh, that information is being sent out to the public. And I find a lot of projects and, and other matters aren't communicated in a number way. You know, they're, they're sent out and they're, the package is polished, but they don't really discuss the numbers honestly and openly and in fear of the backlash, perhaps. But um, I, I think we need to get the numbers out there and, and educate the public so they know why decisions were made and, and why these numbers were generated. So that's, that's what I do on a daily basis for work uh, and what I'd love to do on council. And I, I guess that would be reassuring uh, to a lot of voters. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're hoping it would be reassuring to a lot of voters. Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question now. I don't know if you've heard the numbers around the soccer field, but I've heard from a couple of sources that Whistler played, paid about a million dollars too much for that soccer field. How does that happen? Whistler is an expensive place to get things done. Uh, you know, there's a lot of demands on on trades and, and materials, those kind of things. You know, I don't know the details of it, and and one of the benefits for me would, of getting on council would be I could get into those projects and see how how it went wrong, um, where were the cost overruns, uh, why it cost more, and then then I can tell people. But from my perspective uh, as a voter, you often just feel like there, there's decisions being made and they're not really telling you um, why this happened. They're just saying it happened and, you know, deal with that. And, I, and I'd rather know, like, if I know the facts, then I can be a lot more comfortable with the decision. Right. So OK. So now are you, are you willing to make a promise to Whistler voters that if you're elected, you're going to ferret out overruns and you're going to make them transparent and, and public? Well, I mean, I don't I don't think you can ever say I'm going to never allow it out overrun to happen it's it's projects are, are complex there's lots of variables uh, decisions are made initially that change over time I mean changes are what you try and minimize because that's where your cost overruns often come in you know I'm not going to sit here and promise that I can I can solve the world financially but uh, what I will say is that any projects that do go over I, I will know why they did and I will be happy to communicate that to the to the public because I think that's what I want for my representatives on council is that they they know why things happened. And then those create lessons that we can use to make sure or hopefully prevent that from happening forward. So um, we, we, need to know, we need to know that the council and the staff are learning lessons from their projects and that they're applying them going forward. So one of the big projects that we're looking at is Chequemus Crossing. And a few people brought up, you know, that's a huge project. There's probably going to be, I think, one estimate was a $40 million bond to finance that project. Have you looked at the numbers of that? I mean, I guess the number is what it's going to what it is. I mean, it's a big project. It's going to cost a lot of money. Have you delved into that at all? Uh, well, the presentation that was one of the questions I asked the consultant uh, was, you know, how are we going to pay for this? And and I found that, 
interesting that in a in a presentation like that they didn't really discuss or just lay out some of the ways we can pay for it and i think that's the the ideal time is initially just just lay out some terms like this is the options we have we can either sell some properties to raise money we can ask the government for grants as part of it we can uh, finance it all ourselves with debt and so those are the conversations i had with him and that's that's what i would like to know when something big like that is proposed not because we need to know what we've chosen because we haven't chosen anything we yeah. don't know the numbers yet but let's just start having the conversation of these are some of the options we have you know explore those so that it's not a surprise in a year's time when we say hey this is how we're going to pay for it and everyone's like what no one told me and if we are talking about a municipal bond running into the tens of millions of dollars i mean that's taxpayers that are paying for that yeah for 30 years yeah and they, and they need to know, you know, that that discussion should take place initially, just as the discussion about the parking and the look and the mix, all those things, the, the money, the financing is the conversation that should happen initially uh, and off the bat. And, and and if people aren't comfortable with that, then we need to do more to educate them and make them feel comfortable. And that's that's one of my strengths, I think, is, is building comfort with the numbers and, and understanding them. Okay, so speaking of Chequemus Crossing and housing, that's obviously the number one issue on everyone's mind, every candidate's mind and every voter's mind, because if we can't have enough people living here, then businesses can't operate. Do you have any immediate solutions for the housing crisis? I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't call it crisis. Some people say it's a, it's a housing problem, but yeah. however you want to label it. I have a solution to it. I think the solution is to continue moving forward with the, the projects that are in front of council, uh, the projects that are planned long term. You just have to keep taking steps towards the goal, which is to, to find a solution. There is not going to be, I can't bring an idea that's going to happen tomorrow. No, you have to go with what is is there right now, which is those the private proposals, because those can happen the fastest. Chequemus Crossing is a great example of a huge project that we can really knock off a bunch of people off the list, we're not going to solve the list problem, the WHA list. It's a big list, um, but getting some of those people off it and into a home would be a great solution, and that's going to happen over the medium term, right? And, and we have to keep, we have to make sure that project's done uh, the best it can be with the, the best team on council, the best consultants involved to make sure we, we really nail that one, because that's a big deal, right? That's that, right. Yeah. That, that far outweighs a soccer pitch or a bus loop. That's, that's a lot of money, a lot of people's homes at stake. Um, we need to make sure that that one's done to the best of our ability. Right, okay. Just to change tack uh, a, a little bit, now you, besides being trained as an accountant, you were also a small business owner. You owned, you were owned or part owner of a restaurant. So you have some small business experience. As a counselor, what do you think you can do to help a lot of these young families that are trying to start, are either running small businesses or are trying to start small businesses? Is there anything that you think you can do as a counselor to help them? Or maybe that's not even, uh, doesn't even fall under the purview of counsel. In my business, I, I work with small businesses, uh, helping them to, to see the challenges and overcome them. And, and so just having that voice on counsel of someone who understands what they're going through, um, having done it myself for 11 years, uh, you know, I've been in the trenches as a restaurant owner. Their concerns and their challenges are something I can totally relate to and, and speak to. And, and having someone on counsel that can you can talk to about those is important. Whether I'm going to be able to solve their problems, we, we have to come together as a team on council and, and the staff have to work together. So there's, I'm just one voice on, on a big team. Um, but having someone that understands you, I think is, is, is really nice. So what, as a former small business owner, what are some of the challenges that uh, small business operators are facing here in Whistler? 
Well, the, the labor shortage is definitely one that affects your ability to, to put out a good product. And, you know, housing has an impact on that. So they're, they're all these issues, the major issues that we're dealing with, all impact in small ways, some of them in larger ways. And so you've got to really try and attack all the issues, not just focus on one. I mean, if we solve housing, which we're not going to, I don't think we're going to solve uh, with one grand scheme, then that'll allow some staffing, but you still have to be competitive. You still have to offer wages that are appropriate, a working place that, that is attractive. And uh, so businesses really have to push hard to increase their productivity as well so that they're, they're not relying on just finding more staff because, you know, you got to be creative and, and the, the typical solutions are no longer the ones that will work. Right. Now, you're, you haven't been in Whistler quite as long as some of the other people. You're, you're a relative newcomer. I've been coming to Whistler since I was 11, and I know that there tends to be sometimes a bias in small towns to, oh, you haven't been here long enough to understand Whistler. But perhaps, you know, what we need is some new blood. We need a little bit different perspective. Is that something you feel that you bring to the table? You know, I've been I've been skiing here uh, as an instructor for 15 years, so it's not that I haven't been here. It took me a long time to make it work so that I could be here full time. Uh, I always say it was a transition, uh, which means I, I've been involved in other communities, learning how how they work. So I have this experience from outside, which I think is also important. You know, we need new perspectives. People that have lived here a long time have have a perspective that is certainly Whistler unique, um, but you need to have experienced other communities as well in order to build that. Um, knowledge base and experience. So I think people from other places shouldn't be overlooked because because they're simply from, simply from somewhere else. Switching tack again, transportation. That's another big topic that get, is getting thrown around this election cycle. Actually, I think probably every election cycle. First off, a commuter bus. Where do you stand on a commuter bus in the corridor? I, I think every option that we can discuss and, and see out is, is great. And, and from my perspective, I'm always looking at the numbers on that as, you know, we have to be have an open open discussion about uh, how much things are going to cost, and and say, are you going are you willing to pay for this? And if you're not, as a citizen, then we have to say, well, we need to raise that revenue somewhere else, and that may impact you. Hopefully, we can do it where it can't. But it's really hard in this community to separate how we raise revenue from tourists and from the um, from the residents. And I think that's a, a challenge we need to look at. Uh, can we be can we fix that in some way? It's never going to be perfect, but if we can raise maybe more revenue from the tourists. Uh, to support local initiatives that, that help the, the residents, I think that would be great. Well, when you're talking about raising revenue from visitors, how would, I mean, you're talking about a hotel tax, it, I mean, how would, what would that look like? Yeah, we have, we have a couple of different uh, options. Obviously, the hotel tax is one. You know, I was talking to some residents at one of the all candidates meeting about maybe finding a, a way to have variable parking pricing so that tourists pay a higher rate than, than locals. There's, there's got to be some way to identify who is a local. Obviously, you'll have some slippage in that regards because other people pass their pass parking pass around or something but there's some other solutions out there and and they have to be financial because that's where it all comes down to these issues are always have a financial grounding that someone has to pay for what we're trying to make happen and right, so that's right. that's really what I'm interested in getting into is can we have an honest conversation about what this costs and where we're going to get the money from because um, no one wants to pay for things um, but at some point we do right I mean yeah if you ask people do you want a commuter bus probably 10 out of 10 will say yes, and then how are we going to pay for it? Um, I suppose one thing to look at is the cost-benefit analysis of we need to bring labor in from Pemberton and Squamish. Is it worth paying for a commuter bus? Is is the benefit outweigh the cost, I suppose? Well, and I'm sure some of the employers in town would say it's 
I really need that commuter bus to be here so that I can get staff. But if we said that comes at a cost to you, they might say, well, maybe not, right? And, and so that's a conversation that has to go back and forth a few times before you find where's the equilibrium, where's the balance, you know, is it, can you afford this much? And they say, well, yeah, if I could get a couple more staff from that that, that can get to work, then that's worth, worth it to me. So that's, that's a conversation that has to start. You know, you got to put the numbers on the table early on so that you can get forward in the conversation rather than hiding them because you're afraid that people will run away when they hear how much it costs. You'd be one of the new faces on council if elected. Are you worried about, you know, finding the common ground, finding the consensus to make these things happen, to be financially responsible? Uh, no, I think that's something I've been I've worked on a lot in my career is, is working with others and and being able to, you know, discuss the topic find find the common ground you know i had a business partner for a long time and we used to battle it out on lots of issues but we always found the best solution simply by discussing it and and working through it so i'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to work with a, a talented group of individuals and, and find solutions for some bigger problems that i've you know as a restaurant owner they were quite small and as a counselor you get to deal with some pretty big projects and issues that you know as a team i think we can find solutions for and that's that's a strength of mine i think Okay, and also, as someone that was been skiing and working as a ski instructor for 15 years here in Whistler, what are some of the things that you've seen that you haven't liked and that you've liked? Well, I mean, it's there's always stuff that that you don't like, um, but I've try I try and put a positive spin on things. Every everything's going to change, and you got to find the the positive changes. Those you know, Vale coming in had a lot of negative impacts to a lot of staff, and a lot of them complain. And I would be like, look, there's some great things they brought as well, and and trying to focus on that, which helps me mentally deal with change, uh, because I think we all have to be uh, good at that, because it is the world is changing fast, and um, so I really try and find positive spin on everything, and you'll see that in every conversation I have. Is um, you know, I you tell me there's a problem and I'm going to see like, okay, let's, let's find a positive outcome. Cause I, I believe there is one in every case. Um, and, and with veil, vale, you know, you, that happened and you can't, you can't cry about it. You got to move forward and, and try and find work with them to find opportunities to make things better. Is that why you got into politics this desire to find solutions to problems? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a vehicle that I would allow me to, to do bigger projects and, and have a bigger impact than I could ever have in my own small business. Um, you know, obviously as a restaurateur you get to you get to offer better food than other people um, but as a counselor you get to offer a better community to the people in it and and being a part of this community feeling like I'm part of Whistler uh, through this process has been really rewarding and and really made me want to make sure it stays better for my kid now and my family and and that we can stay here forever so yeah but once again you know just as I mentioned at the top of the podcast you are a new dad you've got your career I mean do you ever have a, a moment where you pause and think, maybe I'm biting off more than I can chew? You know, selling my restaurant in the spring was, was kind of a moment to, to clear the decks and, and reset my my future. So I've been able to, you know, really take a long look at the projects I get involved in. I have a pr- practice that I've been growing, but at a nice, reasonable pace. I, I do want to be able to go skiing. I do want to have time for my child. And, and counselor is, you know, I don't want to be mayor. Mayor is a full-time position. There's a lot of demands on them. And, and counselor... I'm aware is a big commitment as well, but you know I try and find balance and being involved in multiple things is important for me because it keeps me interested. And and as a counselor, you get involved in so many other projects, other boards, other uh, opportunities come up, uh, and I look forward to that variety. So I, I think it fits in really well with what I'm what I've been setting up for. 
Okay. Well, thank you. You want to make you want to give uh, our listeners a last minute pitch to you know. I, I don't know what else you could say at this point, but if uh, here's your chance, you got a platform. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be an effective member of council, and I, I think you have to look at who it is that's going to make a great team. You know, they they're going to be managing your investment in the community, and you want to make sure that those people are the the best ones to do so. So I, I think I have the skill set uh, and the knowledge and experience to be a valuable member and be effective right off the off the bat. So hope to get your vote this Saturday, and if if you've already voted, hopefully you picked me too. So thanks for for being part of the process. I've enjoyed it. And thanks for talking with us, Jeff. And remember, get out and vote October 20th. And you don't have to vote for the entire slate. You can pick two or three if you want. If you like Jeff, you can pick him and maybe someone else. Or if you just feel like you got to use your entire ballot, you can also pick the, the entire six. So until next time, this has been Sea to Sky Podcast. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at SeaToSkyPodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on 